0: It's today in Ohio, so we must be talking about Issue 1 again. It's the chief subject until August 8th. It's the news podcast discussion from Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. I'm Chris Quinn, and I'm here with Lisa Garvin, Laura Johnston, and Courtney Astolfi. Like I said, we're starting with Issue 1. Is this a sign that Republican lawmakers are worried that Issue 1 is going down? Why the sudden push in the House to ban drag queens from library story hours? Are they looking to divert attention of their base from issue one in case it fails? Laura, what would this bill do and why now?
1: Well, that's a very good question. Why now? And I do think we'll be talking about issue one even after the August election because it is such a big deal. But this is House Bill 245. It was introduced on Monday, sponsored by 43 members of the GOP supermajority. This would ban drag queens from library library story hours and any kind of kids' events. It classifies the appearance as adult cabaret performances, saying they're harmful or obscene to children. And if you perform them anywhere for kids twelve and younger, it's a felony. Thirteen to eighteen, I guess that's just a misdemeanor. So this is coming from a backdrop of a lot of bills that have targeted LGBTQ community. We've talked about the trans athletes, the girls. Um, we've talked about all sorts of things that the Ohio House is doing. I. This has obviously happened in other states, too. Tennessee is probably the most well-known, and Ohio representatives say they looked at a bunch of bills because they wanted to be really specific. So they're saying this isn't a knee-jerk reaction. Hmm. But doesn't even mention drag queen in the bill. The thing is I've never taken my kids to a drag story hour. I don't, Really understand why this is so upsetting. Remember the Wadsworth thing in March where you know there were neo-Nazis, white supremacists arrested when all these people came to protest. And there was the one in Chesterland at the church, somebody threw a Molotov cocktail. So people get really, really riled up about this. But the point is to expose kids to diversity, to teach acceptance of yourself and others. Drag is not porn. These performers are reading children's books like the rainbow fish. And if you don't like it, just don't take your kids.
0: So any any man that dresses as a woman who reads the Lorax at a library is guilty of a crime?
1: Mm-hmm. Apparently.
0: I mean, that is, that is just weird criminalizing yeah. of activity.
1: You just have to figure it's about firing up this hyper-conservative base and- we've talked all the time on this podcast about double speak and and what people are saying and how it doesn't line up with the truth and and how when people are talking about issue 1 they're calling it an anti fatherhood initiative like like where they're getting this and for some reason they've i put this idea that drag is porn and obscene and it's i don't get it
0: but that i mean that's where the the state seems to be going off the rails of late just arbitrarily redefining things. Yes. You know, natural gas is green energy. The Supreme Court famous decision actually came from Cleveland Heights. You know, I I can't really define porn, but I know it when I see mm-hmm. it. It's not obscene in any sense of the word for a man to dress as a woman. I mean, it's just, that's not by any community standard obscene. And and many who do, you don't even know. I mean, it's just bizarre that, that the mere act of doing that Picking up a child's book and reading it to a child, you can be accused of a felony and go to prison. It's bizarre. But there's 46 legislators that signed on to this, which makes me think, look, you're seeing more and more signs that conservatives and liberals realize issue one attacks us all, that this is a sinister effort to amass power in the legislature and cut off the people. where The people would no longer have the power to control the Constitution. This is this could go down big, and they thought this was going to be their big champion moment. So it seems like they're looking for a culture war issue to try and rally their base to divert attention to what's ha- from what's happening to issue but, one. But just because you redefine obscenity doesn't make it right. Doesn't right. make it so.
1: And are they overreaching here? I mean, I know they've got their very conservative base and the people all fired up that say that you know this is harmful to kids, but. Aren't the most reasonable people looking at this going, I don't see this as an equivalent? I mean, are they in danger? They're going so far far over that the people who would normally be Republican, but are reasonable. Are they going to say, no, I I don't want this?
0: I mean, issue one, I think, is starting to lead people to question it. Look, for Republicans, home rule is a central tenet of their belief. Yeah. But. With the Republicans in our legislature, they're killing home rule. There's a bunch of things like that that don't ring true well, with conservatives. And isn't I mean,
1: Republicanism supposed to be all about small government? Like, keep your ha- keep your government out of my family, keep it out of my yeah. community? And like, you are literally telling communities what they're allowed to have in their libraries.
0: Issue one is an enormous flashpoint, enormous benchmark for Ohio. I should remind, we haven't mentioned it in a long time, We should, everybody who's endorsed issue one, if it goes down, they're going to be tagged with it for the rest of time. Mike DeWine, John Husted, Dave Yost, Keith Faber, all of Ohio's elected Republicans have put their, their reputations on the line by standing behind this terrible effort to throttle the voter. And we just need to remind people for the rest of time, we'll make sure the voters remember it. They still have a chance to renounce it. A smart politician might look at what's going on right now and say, you know what, I don't want to be tied to this. This is bad news and change their mind. Say, so, you know, I've read everything that Cleveland.com and the plane deal has written about how this thing came about, and I think it's a bad idea. That would be wise. It's today in Ohio. We ran a big story not long ago about dysfunction in the Jaga County Water Department, and that dysfunction has now become criminal charges. Lisa, who was charged and for what?
2: Yeah, a grand jury indicted Geauga County Water Department IT Administrator Michael Kersinger on three felony counts of unlawful interest in public contracts and three misdemeanor counts of conflict of interest with contracts. But Geauga County Prosecutor James Fly says this isn't over. The investigation is ongoing and more charges may be possible in the future against other people. So uh, Kersinger will be arraigned uh, July 26th. This case centers on contracts between the Geauga County Water Department and a private vendor, CSJ Technologies, and its owner, Joe Camino. And these contracts, the investigation goes back to at least 2008. Uh, Geauga County officials wanted all IT and all emails under one umbrella. But the water department fought that for years, and they went with an in-house IT officer, and then they contracted with CSJ, which has made $328,000 since 2014. So it's alleged that CSJ owner Camino gave Kersinger $4,000 for a car lease down payment, and that bids were kept under the $30,000 threshold for competitive bids, so they didn't have to, you know, bid this out. Camino was let go in 2022, but after that, someone paid him and his company $16,000 with a county check and then a $3,000 check a year later. So even though he was, you know, they let go the vendor, this still went on.
0: When we ran our big takeout on the dispute over there, you could tell something was very stinky. This just didn't make sense. The fight to keep their their records independent. They were trying to hide things. There were people quoted in the story saying, you know, if you have nothing to hide, why are you working so hard to hide it? So it's not a surprise. But man, this is a county that has a history of dysfunctional government. We've had the judicial issues. We've had previous people getting indicted out of that government. When do you think the voters of Jaga County are finally going to say, I'm fed up with the clowns that are running this place and demand some reform? This just isn't acceptable.
2: Right. And let us not forget that, you know, this... Probably it's alleged to have led to the shutdown of the McFarland wastewater treatment plant in Bainbridge for three days back in in, uh, 2022 because you know they were the water department was being notified hey, we're changing your administrative passwords, you're coming under our, our umbrella, and then that Texas plant, that treatment plant got shut down two days later.
0: Yeah, I know. It's it's out of control. After the the search, after the raid to go and get the records, they let the guy come back into the building. You would think they would have said, you know what, we need to suspend you now until we figure out what's what. I mean, who knows what other damage could be going on when he's back in the building? Uh, and and it's interesting that they said, this is just the beginning. I mean, mm-hmm. It really is foreboding that some big stuff is yet to come. You're listening to Today in Ohio. Courtney, when was the last time Ohio executed somebody and how many people now sit on death row?
3: Yeah, yesterday marked the five-year anniversary since Ohio's last death row inmate was executed. So July 18th, 2018. And it sounds like there's a decent chance that this pause on, on the death penalty here in the Buckeye State will continue for a while just in line with broader trends in the U.S., people are increasingly moving away from using the death penalty. And right now, there's 123 inmates sitting on Ohio's death row. 23 of those are from Cuyahoga County. And most were sent there not too long ago in the mid to you know early 2000s. But this five-year mark that we hit yesterday, that now means Ohio joins the ranks of states who have either gotten rid of the death penalty completely or haven't used it in half a decade and most cases m- most states have gone even longer without using it
0: well what's clear is this has to do with Mike DeWine as governor he he's never said it but most people have deduced that his religious beliefs the same beliefs that have him as a staunch opponent of abortion have him as a staunch opponent of capital punishment uh, when he's asked about it he almost it almost is like a brings a smile to his face like yeah you haven't seen any have you and so I don't think we would have an execution as long as he's governor. You also have all the issues with method and all of the mess about it. And, you know, plus a lot of people have talked about how expensive it is because of the the cost of all the appeals. Uh, it'll be interesting in the next governor's race if it becomes a thing, if, if candidates start talking about, I'm bringing back the death penalty or if they stay miles from it. But I'm pretty sure we'll go eight years at least without an execution in Ohio.
3: You know, historically, Ohio, at least in the last 50 or so years, has been a pretty prolific executioner. Fifty-six folks were put to death between 1976 and a few years ago. You know, one of the mechanisms that have led to this pause on the death penalty are just delays in in executing somebody. So we saw that recently with Keith Lamar. He's a Cleveland guy. He was convicted in 1995 for deaths during a, a prison riot. And just last week, the Ohio Supreme Court delayed his execution for three years. So just kind of moving the bar and pushing into the future it seems to be the practice. But like you said, the drugs involved here are an issue. Pharmaceutical companies have told Ohio if they use their drugs and executions, they'll no longer supply them to places like state medical facilities.
0: Okay. You're listening to Today in Ohio. Courtney, back to you. Do Cleveland officials have some qualms about a company that wants to run high-speed broadband lines all through the city?
3: There are definitely some questions from city council. Yesterday, there was this big first-time hearing about a proposal from Mayor Justin Bibb to contract with Sci-Fi Networks, where they would build out fiber lines all across the city. And this is part of Bibb's kind of two-pronged plan for broadband in the future in Cleveland. One is a low cost option that's, you know, would be accessible for all that contracts hit a snag in city council. We haven't seen movement on it. In the meantime, the sci-fi networks contract would offer much faster speeds for folks. You know, its leadership says this is the future of of the internet. You want to get in Cleveland and, and bring this to your residents. And basically how this would work is sci-fi networks would lay wire throughout the entire city, and then they'd contract with service providers to actually deliver the internet services through sci-fi's networks. However, council has some questions about that. Bib is proposing what could end up being a decades-long contract with sci-fi to have these lines in the right-of-way. Now, this contract would cost Cleveland nothing. The, the low-end broadband that it's looking to bring would cost about $20 million from the city. But fi is looking to do this on its own, and the way it makes money is through those contracts with service providers who are actually delivering the Internet to, to households and businesses.
0: Yeah, I I guess my question is, with all of the places they're already working and not actually running yet, why wouldn't Cleveland phase it? Why wouldn't they say, look, let's start in these three neighborhoods. Let's see how you do. And then they could start providing services. Why, why say we go all through the city and then it begins? Because this is serious damage to infrastructure. You cut up roads, you dig up right of way, and Cleveland's a big city. So why not phase it in?
3: Well, so there are some concerns that, that kind of intersect with that line that we heard from council yesterday. So Sci-Fi has been working in the United States for the last few years. There's 40 or so cities they're involved with, but none have been completed yet. Their first one's supposed to go online next month. And elsewhere in, in the States, Sci-Fi has run into a handful of delays. Now, leadership at Sci-Fi told council yesterday that some of those delays had to do with business practices that they've since changed in the last three or four years. But some of the delays it sounded like had to do with maybe turnover in city staffing. So if that leads to similar issues in Cleveland, that could be a problem here. There have also been, been lawsuits. And, and part of Part of the initial delays the company leadership told us yesterday was that they didn't have necessarily internet service providers on board on the front end to really let these projects, to let them start breaking ground. They said they've changed their business model and they now try and strike those agreements for the most part on the front end. So there's a little less risk and they can proceed as normal. And they did tell us yesterday there's at least major one one major national internet service provider interested in serving Cleveland and several smaller providers
0: yeah I just I hope council continues to do its diligence it, there was a good moment where Mike Polensik brought up that separately the count the city is is considering spending 20 million dollars on digital C to run some lines and Polensik asked hey look if we' got this private company willing to do it for free throughout the whole city why are we spending 20 million dollars on this other shaky thing he didn't really get a good answer to that.
3: Well, you know, yeah. So Sci-Fi Networks, their lowest price point is $65 a month. Digital C is capped at $18 a month. So it makes it much more affordable for a lot of Cleveland folks is the idea.
0: Okay. You're listening to Today in Ohio. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Our latest Rethinking Child Care story looks at a success story. How has one couple run a home child care business for three decades, Laura? And man, Gretchen kuda Crowen just keeps cranking out riveting stories that introduce you to things you know nothing about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. These these folks never take a day off, not even during COVID, not even after the day after the the wife and this couple gave birth. They turned their home into a childcare center with fenced off playgrounds, even a little pool with a lifeguard in the summer. And th- that's their whole backyard. They work 12 hours a day. So, this is Marion and Dan Pycraft. They're 63 and 68. They care for 12 kids. Under five, and they've been doing it since 1988. They have six kids of their own who are now grown, and that's basically why they started. Because Marion couldn't find childcare that was reliable, dependable, um, a good price point, and that she liked. So they opened Rock and Round the Clock in North their North Bridgeville neighborhood. Uh, this is just regular hours, even though it says round the clock. They they tried to do part time. They tried to be more flexible. They just couldn't make it work. So you got to go full time and commit to this. But it sounds like an ideal place for these kids to go until they go to kindergarten and, but they're always flexible. So they're going to have some school age kids going off to kindergarten this year. And then they're going to welcome three infants in their home. So they'll have to refigure everything, but they are, sounds like incredibly hardworking people. And Marion has a background in accounting, which she says is a huge help because she can manage the business part of it, which is really difficult to make Make it meet. Plus, they're working for themselves. They don't have to hire a lot of people. And we've talked a lot about how staffing is so difficult in the childcare business.
0: The picture of their backyard is hilarious. It's every kid hot and climbing apparatus she can think of uh, i mean they they really have built something there the disturbing thing is that she she explains you need mm-hmm. my accounting background is why we could do this a lot of people get into it they don't look at what they're spending and all of a sudden they realize they don't have any money and that's how they have managed all these years but i think she said in 20 months 21 months she's done they're retiring you know, what what how do you get others to adopt this model?
1: Well, and it's not like this is an easy job, like what I just described, never taking a day off, working 12 hours a day, caring for 12 kids under five. That is not an easy thing to do. You'd have to love it. And her husband was a school teacher in Elyria for years. So obviously, this is where their passion is. I don't know that that many people have that kind of passion or you're right, the business background that they can figure out how to make this all work she does not take families that are on public subsidy we've talked a little bit about this but the rate that the government would be providing her is like half of what she charges people so she can't even take on those families so she talks a lot about the business part we and and why she can make this work but she also believes that we should all be supporting child care like public schools so that it's not just like her and her husband trying to do this and working really hard that there are more opportunities for more people to get into the business and and more kids can go to child care and more families you know more moms can work
0: yeah the weird fact is is if they were doing the exact same thing in Illyria, right they'd get more money in the subsidies that's just ridiculous poor people are poor people no matter where they are and they should all be getting a similar subsidy. The, the this series, if for anybody that's been reading it, the, the overwhelming conclusion you can make is the country would be a lot better off if we subsidized health care. The economy would be better off. Parents would be better off. Uh, the kids would be better off. I mean, this is this is an example yet again of how we can make a difference yeah. in the lives of the future.
1: And we started this because of the crisis, right? The the, the dust had cleared a little bit from the pandemic and all of these child care centers had cl- had closed people are not working in child care centers because they can get be- you know better paying jobs at McDonald's and and I think this is the moment we can do something since 2019 more than 400 home health child care providers in Ohio have closed just I mean 4 years 400 home child care providers just since the pandemic that's a huge number
0: Okay. You're listening to Today in Ohio. Really read that story. Gretchen did a beautiful job telling it. The photos are illuminating. Ohio State University researchers have discovered a simple way to avoid children handling guns dangerously. Lisa, what is it?
2: Yeah, this study was published Monday in the JAMA Pediatrics Journal, and it found that showing a 60-second video on gun safety reduces the risk of unsafe behavior with guns. So in this OSU study, there were 226 kids aged 8 to 12, and they were paired in familiar pairs. So they were paired with a friend, a sibling, or a cousin. Half of them saw a video of a DPS officer discussing car safety— half saw one on gun safety with the very same officer. Then they were left unsupervised for 20 minutes in a room full of toys and an unlocked cabinet that contained two real but disabled 9mm handguns. Most kids... 96% of the kids found the guns and the guns had a device that counted the number of times the trigger was pulled. So 53% touched the gun, 23% told an adult, and then the kids who saw the gun safety video as opposed to the car safety video were three times more likely to tell an adult and they held a gun a shorter amount of time and pulled the trigger fewer times.
0: That's fascinating, isn't it? 60 second video and you get through to the kids.
2: Right. And this does contradict a previous study that found that a National Rifle Administration safety video was ineffective, but it had a cartoon mascot called Eddie Eagle. So it was not a human authority figure. So they think that that might make a difference as well.
0: I play that video for every kid in Cleveland and America. It might make a difference. Cool story. You're listening to Today in Ohio. The water off the Florida coast is above 90 degrees, which is not fun for swimming. But Breeze Airlines thinks Northeast Ohioans want to go to Florida in bigger numbers. Courtney, what have they added to their itineraries?
3: They do think that. They they see some opportunity here. Breeze Airways is adding a nonstop flight from Agron Canton Airport to Fort Myers, Florida, so we'll see how the demand shakes out. but I will note that these flights don't start till mid-november, so I assume they'll probably be uh, attracting folks in the colder months up here. That this flight will run three times a week, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. 137-seat Airbus is what will be taking folks both ways. There's great deals and promotions uh for the first like week or so, $60 one-way flight. So check that out if you're interested. But this does add a new Florida destination for Akron, Canton, and Breeze Airways. It's already flying to Orlando, Tampa, and West Palm Beach, plus a few others that are outside of Florida.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I was being facetious, making fun of the hot temperatures of the water. People in Ohio love to go to Florida in the winter wintertime. Uh, going in the summer, you just bake and boil, and now you can't even cool off in the ocean. It's Today in Ohio. U.S. Senator J.D. Vance has been big on culture war items of late. Lisa, what legislation did he introduce as his latest measure? It's called the Protect Children's Innocence
2: Act, and that would make it a Class C federal felony to provide gender affirming care to minors, and it would be a sentence of 10 to 25 years in prison upon conviction. It also bans taxpayer funding for gender affirming care, including coverage through the Affordable Care Act. It would ban universities from providing instruction on gender-affirming care, and then non-U.S. citizens who provided care to minors would be ineligible for U.S. visas or admittance into our country. And uh, in in a statement, um, Vance said, under no circumstances should doctors be allowed to perform these gruesome, irreversible operations on underage children. He went on to thank Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, the Republican from Georgia, who introduced an identical bill in the house and he said that she's leading on this issue but a statement on the human rights by the human rights campaign said that Vance shouldn't substitute ill-informed personal opinion over the consensus of 1.3 million doctors and the vice president of government affairs David Stacey says this is taking away decision making from informed parents in consult in consult consultation with medical providers and it's another insulting attack that's designed to appeal to a small extreme voter base.
0: Yeah, the attack on on trans issues is at a ridiculous fever pitch right now. It's just one after another. And you start to wonder, it's clear that this is all about appealing to some fringe base, that this is all meant for Fox News watchers to, to get all harump, harump, and excited about. But you have to wonder if normal people looking at this ridiculous fever pitch for this stuff aren't sitting back now and thinking, what, what's going on with our country? Yeah, it, do, it does <laughs>
2: smack of desperation. But I do want to point out that, you know, surgical intervention is extremely rare in minors. Most hospitals and clinics that do gender-affirming surgery, you have to be 18 or over and usually have to go through some sort of therapy or counseling beforehand.
0: Right, it's 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 a solution in search of a problem. This isn't a problem. It, it's just like the the idea of athletes and and how tiny a problem that is that they're focusing nonstop rhetoric and press releases on. It, it, I just feel like it's this desperation to keep their base energized. And they're losing sight completely of the big picture. I just don't think there's a focus by most Americans on these issues is a, a big deal. J.D. Vance started out you know, trying to seem reasonable, but lately it's just one culture war after another. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Today in Ohio. Okay, it's summer, so we have to talk ice cream. Our innovative consumer reporter Sean McDonald wondered whether he could make ice cream more cheaply than buying it. Laura, you love ice cream. What did he find?
1: Let me tell you, we eat a lot of ice cream in our house. You mentioned
0: the other day, you're a big believer in what? Ice cream for breakfast or something? What'd you say? Breakfast for dinner?
1: Oh, ice cream for dinner on vacation. (laughs) That way you only have to buy one big meal. (laughs) You get a hotel with a free breakfast, you eat a big lunch, and then you eat ice cream for dinner. There's nothing Uh wrong. But my kids will tell you the last day of vacation, if we're on a week-long vacation, I let them eat ice cream for breakfast. It's become like a a tradition. (laughs) But anyway... We eat a lot of ice cream. You cannot buy make it cheaper than you can buy it at Aldi, or I mean, and that's what Sean came up with. That you could make some really interesting flavors with an ice cream maker, and you might be able to make like the high end type Hagen Dazs or Ben and Jerry's cheaper. But like, if you're fine with eating Edie's or you know Giant Eagle brands, you're not going to beat those store prices. I gotta say, I did start making our own whipped cream, but that wasn't so much a cost thing. I just felt really bad about the plastic for the environment. And so if you buy the heavy whipping cream, it comes in a carton, which is cardboard. And then I don't feel like I'm polluting as much, but that is the key ingredient in ice cream. It's a base of mixture of dairy, eggs, and sugars with, with that heavy whipping cream, which is not cheap. Like a tall one, which I'm not going to tell you how big it is. Cause I don't know. It's more than four bucks.
0: Well, one, when you make your own whipping cream, it's 100% better than mm-hmm. anything you can buy. So that's why you do that. Um, <laughs> two, what what you're not addressing here is the quality of the ice cream. There's a that's wide true. range of quality in ice cream. If you make your own ice cream and you do it right, you have a much richer ice cream than you might be buying at Aldi's. So it, 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 it's one of those things where are you doing this to save money or are you doing this to have gourmet? Ice cream is terribly bad for you. It's full of fat. It's full of sugar. It's not something you should eat a lot of. If you're going to eat it, you want to eat the best and maybe making it is the way to go.
1: I did stop eating that like half fat light ice cream because that is not worth it. You're going to if you're going to eat ice cream, (laughs) eat the right right ice cream. Eat the good stuff. Sean did say, yeah, that this tastes better, but you need to eat it right away. If you want to keep ice cream in your freezer for a long time, it doesn't. Freeze well, I guess.
0: I you can. Hmm, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I've done it. I, I, I not in a long time, but I've made ice cream. It, it's you can make some interesting flavors for it. I, we don't have time because you know. Otherwise, I'd ask what kind of ice cream would Barbie eat. But we got to go. <laughs> it would be strawberry
1: because it has to be pink or cotton candy. That's gross. Of
0: course, you would have an answer to that question. That's it for today in Ohio for a Wednesday. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Courtney. Thanks, everybody who listens. We'll be back Thursday.